From the Spec Network, this is Fragmented, an Android developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better Android developers. I'm Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. You know what sucks? Waiting. Life is just too short to be waiting and waiting. If you're an Android developer and you need to run lint checks, unit tests, UI tests, check to see that the build doesn't fail because of a commit that you made, after every single commit, just think about it. You could run it on your local and then wait. But as we have established, waiting sucks. Well, Microsoft has a service called App Center that they'd like to promote and help us in this waiting problem. The whole point of using App Center is to automate my Android development lifecycle. So what does this mean? That means every time I commit my code to GitHub, I can just power on with my next feature, you know, go live my life, breaking things occasionally, and App Center will make sure that I, you know, don't go too crazy. In the background, it pulls the code from GitHub, runs the Gradle build, runs my unit tests, runs the UI tests, does this all without having to make me wait on my local machine. But App Center does more though. It's a fully modular suite of services, so you can pick and choose the service that you need and you can connect it to the tools that you already use. They have crash reporting, analytics, push services, a test device lab of their own, and you can selectively pick just the ones that you want. I particularly like the test device lab. They have some of the most common Android devices that you'll find in the market. So, you know, the Samsung devices that we all know are pretty prevalent and need to test our apps on but don't like to own personally. Well, they have the Samsung devices up there. It's exactly what you would expect. They run screenshots uh, on every test. It's amazing. If you're looking for a CI service, I highly, highly recommend you'll get a host of other services to boot along with it. And the best way to do it is to just try. Head on over to appcenter.ms. My thanks again to Microsoft and to App Center for sponsoring today's show. In this episode, Kaushik and I talked to Karen Chang about audio playback in Android. We start off with the basics with a media player, something we've all kind of grown accustomed to, which is playing simple media objects. And then we kind of move into some more advanced usages of media playback using Soundpool, and we wrap it up with a small discussion on ExoPlayer. If you play audio on your Android application or are interested in learning more about audio, then this is the podcast for you. We hope you enjoy. Kaushik, I know you're a humongous fan of the camera API, but do you know what the second most or maybe even equal most frustrating part of Android can be sometimes? You can read my mind. Well, most folks at this point know that the camera API uh, leaves a lot to be desired with. The second most API, but this is not used as commonly by most folk, uh, but it is pretty annoying to deal with. At least it was for the longest time on Android. And this is the audio APIs. Definitely. I uh, I wrote an app within the last year and a half, two years of started out with Media Player, ended up playing around with a bunch of different stuff, ended up with Exo Player. A long story short, it was a, mm-hmm. it was a tr- tremendous battle and uh, it would have been much easier if I had some kind of some guidance to go along with but you know as with everything in, in life you, you just kind of have to stumble along till you kind of figure it out but hopefully today we can kind of solve this problem for some other folks so um you have actually found us someone to talk to about audio absolutely uh, without further ado let's welcome karen welcome to the show karen hi yeah thanks for having me here 
Uh, Cameron, I know you've worked a lot with the audio API stuff, uh, so we're very excited to talk to you about that today. Yeah, so I I use I used to work on a regular phone app that just another kind of app that you have on your phone all the time. But then I switched to working on an Internet of Things device, and with devices, the thing is audio becomes a lot more important because you're not no longer just having the system handle all your audio for you. Now you have to think about how you want your device that's living in your room or your kitchen to interact with another human being so that they don't feel like it's just another machine living in their house. So that's how I got into audio. <laughs> Karen, for the folks that, that don't know anything about you, would you mind explaining kind of who you are, where you work and, and so forth? Yeah, sure. So my name is Karen. Uh, I'm working at a company right now called June. So June right now, uh, we have one product and the product is a smart oven. So what does it mean for an oven to be smart? So our oven is usually when people say that their ovens are smart, it's just connected to the internet and you can maybe like connect it with a phone or something like that. But our oven is actually smart in the sense that you could put food in it and there's a camera in the oven so it can recognize what kind of food you put in it. And we have chefs developing different like recipes. And so you could put a piece of salmon in it. The camera recognizes you put in salmon. It asks you, oh, do you like it rare, medium rare or well done? And we'll just automatically cook it for you to the way you like it. Dang, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. It makes it's perfect for people like me who like good food but don't like but don't know how to cook. <laughs> I can see this going somewhere. I like this. This is nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. I think I've seen a video of uh, the June oven in action before, and so like if you can find that in this, uh, I'll try to put a link to the in the show notes to that because it is pretty cool. Just like watching the video and seeing what it's capable of. Yeah, but actually, uh, Karen, I think I came across some of your work initially first with uh, this Medium series of posts that you started writing on Kotlin. Uh, can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, so like everybody else, I was super excited when Google announced they were going to start supporting Kotlin, and so I read the book that was out. It was Kotlin in Action, and I think it's written by the de- the people who developed the language. So the first time I read the book, it was it was cool. Like I figured out what Colin was capable of, like the good things about it, how it's better than Java and why it could be advantageous to start writing Colin. But I think when I was reading through the book, um, I didn't get as much out of it as I thought I did just because I, at that time I wasn't writing any production code at work. So I was just like kind of reading through these abstract things going, oh, that's cool. That's cool. But I feel like nothing really stuck at the time. So <laughs> we actually started writing um, All Call in our company in the beginning of this year. And I think that's when things really started clicking for me. Just going back and being like, oh, I kind of remember some reading something about this. So I would go back to like my notes, which is what I created them for in the first place. was kind of like notes for myself to kind of go back to. Um, so that was when it started getting interesting. It's like, oh, I read about this and now I could actually start using this. And now I know why this is useful and when I would want to read more about this. Very cool, very cool. And we'll make sure to add links in the show notes to this series that you've started. Uh, and I think I tweeted about this before too. I feel like anyone who is lazy to read the book completely but just wants like a quick Cliff Notes version, at least to be ins- inspired to read the book eventually, you should definitely look at Karen's notes. It's pretty good. I'm, I'll paste a link in the show notes to that. Yeah, I think it's a great way to like kind of get a gist of what the book wants to talk about and then dive in deeper if you really want to learn about certain stuff. Karen, I had a question for you regarding the the audio on the, the June oven. I imagine that there has to be some or a significant amount of, of human interaction, I guess, research and development that goes into this because you probably don't want a device that's sitting in your kitchen that's just 
sending you all kinds of audio alarms for all kinds of reasons. Did did you and your team have to, to do a lot of that uh, kind of research and so forth? Yeah, I think we kind of had to figure out like what made sense to play to when when it would make sense to play sounds and when it doesn't make sense to play sounds and when it makes like absolute sense that you definitely have to play a sound. Like for example, if your oven is overheating, we definitely want to play it really loudly. And it might mm-hmm. be bothersome for like the people using it, but in that case, it's very critical. So we definitely have to play it then. But other stuff like simple touches and taps and like going backwards on a screen, that kind of stuff kind of had to figure out like, this is actually something that customers would want. In the end, we decided, oh, maybe some people just get annoyed with all these sounds. So we did give them an option to turn the sounds off. Interesting. Did you have a team of, of folks that like sound engineers that helped develop the sounds or, or what did you... Where did you come up with the sounds? I mean, this is kind of just a general question I have because the reason why I ask is I in college, I, I my roommate worked at a video game company and they went around all over and recorded sounds all over the place. So I find it interesting where this, the audio components come from. Yeah, we do have a contractor sound engineer and he was the one kind of giving us different sounds and seeing like, oh, does this sound make sense for a regular tap or does this sound make sense for like a back button? And I think most of the sounds just come from, after a while, you get intuitive about things and you're like, oh, okay, that's a backbone. Like you kind of program your own brain to realize what the sounds are trying to do is kind of how I understood it. That's cool. That's cool. In the June ovens, basically, so I guess like the, I'm trying to understand how the Android piece works into the June oven. So uh, does it actually run like low level, like Android things kind of code or is it actually a different layer altogether? Yeah, it's kind of, so we basically took all the open Android open source and ported it over into our oven. And so that way, at least on my side, when I'm developing the UI, I'm still doing like all these activities and fragments and the regular Android stuff. It's just... Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm just running <laughs> commands and going through an oven instead of commanding a phone on to do how to do certain things. Don't burn the salmon. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Oh, wow. I, I really like that. I, I like the idea that the code that you write is actually, and I guess like a microwave uh, is, or an oven is big enough where you don't necessarily have to worry about like going to the low level or like having something as small as Raspberry Pi. Like you could keep it like big enough uh, to like hold a proper processor and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we would have considered Android themes, but I think the problem was Android themes wasn't out yet when we first started developing the oven like three, four years ago. Makes sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Kaushik, mm-hmm. back in our early episodes, we um, we talked about something that really bothered you and I. <laughs> yes. In regards yes. To, to to Android and audio. What was that? Oh, my God. Uh, I remember. So, basically, it was the latency, right? Like, the latency. Yeah. Like, we, I think we went on, like, this 20-minute rant at that point, <laughs> yeah. talking about how, like, the latency annoyed us. Uh, so... Karen, this was the pro- I'll, I'll pitch the problem to you. And since you're the expert on audio here, you can tell us like if this problem is something that can be solved today in like the Android world, right? So when we started out, uh, I, I wanted to build this app, which essentially it was sort of like a looping app, right? So essentially what would happen is uh, it would just have like a metronome that would keep uh, cycling, right? So it would have this beat that would go on regularly. And it would keep recording different snippets. So I could uh, say I I hit record. Uh, it would pick up my audio and then it would keep playing the same thing that it recorded in a loop, right? And then I could keep adding on more waveforms. And there are like a couple of apps, at least in iOS, that do this really well. I think the app's literally called Looper or something. So 
I was trying to build this, like, and this was about like two and a half or three years back, right? I was trying to build the equivalent in Android, right? And the problem that I found is when I recorded, uh, uh, you know, like maybe a song or like, you know, uh, uh, a guitar piece or something, If when I recorded that through the mic on the phone and it played that back, I could never get the latency low enough uh, to actually synchronize properly in a wave, Does, if that makes sense. So there are a couple of problems. So latency is a huge problem. But I think even before we dive into that, uh, maybe you should tell us like what latency is, like what what latency is, why it is a problem, and maybe why it's a problem on Android. And, you know, if, if I uh, wanted to build my Looper app again, if this is something that I can do today. Yeah, sure. So I think latency can be defined in a in a couple of different ways. Like one of the ways is the full round trip latency. So the time it takes for audio to go into the system and then come back out after some remixing or some different kinds of way, or the kind of latency where it's like you tap a button on your phone screen and how quick can you get the feedback for sound to play to tell you that you did click a button. And Mm -hmm. another kind of latency is kind of just how long it takes for like a certain file to load so that it could be played back on the uh on the device so yeah think about that yeah (laughs) so i think the latency that you're talking about is a little different than the ones we face but it's kind of like the same problem i think the main problem is that android because they there's so many different manufacturers for phones everybody has a different way of handling the hardware abstraction layer and because of like the differences in how these android phones are handling audio and the different ways it's Uh, communicating with the audio driver, I think that's where most of the problem comes from because it's way less uniform than how iPhones handle is, how I understand it. Right. And I do remember in the early, at least this was then, uh, I was trying to understand why it was so difficult and how like I could see apps on iOS already. And apparently at the time, it... uh, the folks at Apple worked really hard to bring this latency down because they, uh, they saw this as an application... Uh, you know, a specific application where like they wanted to bring the latency down. So I do remember that they had done like a lot of work at the OS level to make sure that this latency could be brought down. So, and at that time, I think Android wasn't necessarily at the same level then. Yeah, from some articles I read, it seems like Android didn't think about audio in the beginning because the way that the audio driver and the audio flinger, which is how Android's audio server uh, talks to the Android drivers, So the way that works is that it's doing this push command. So the audio flinger, so Android is actually pushing commands to the audio driver. And this isn't as efficient as what iPhones are doing, which as I understand it is the audio driver is pulling all the time. So it's like this different type of processing audio that really makes a difference in like how latency comes out. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I did not know that. That's very interesting. Today I learned. Yeah, I'm not sure if they changed it recently because this article was a bit dated, um, but it doesn't seem like anything has changed in the lower levels. Got it. So with the work that you do at June, I imagine that the touch feedback is probably something you're concerned about in regards to latency. And is that something you've encountered at all? Uh, And if so, what have you done to kind of circumvent that or kind of solve any latency issues you've had, if you've had any? Yeah, so some of the problems we saw around latency was the first one was that we wanted to play a sound when the oven first wakes up. So we didn't want the oven to have the screen on and then the sound come like five seconds later. Um, The second latency problem we saw was when people try to click around in the oven, we wanted like the click sound to play immediately. It'd be really weird if you like tapped on the button and it was highlighted and then you didn't hear the sound until 20 milliseconds or something later. So I think I read somewhere that 
the the time that really makes a difference is 10 milliseconds. So if sounds get processed more than 10 milliseconds after what you expect, then you start to realize something's wrong. Um, so that was the second problem we had. This is like the elevator that I have in my uh, office building. Where <laughs> basically, you type. It's so annoying. Like it's like the perfect example of how latency can totally ruin your morning. Like you know, you're trying to hit your elevator. You hit like you know, uh, maybe like the eleventh floor, but you hit like one, and like you don't get the feedback, so you keep pressing it again, and then the next thing you know, you're trying to go to like you know, uh, the one hundred and one hundred and eleventh <laughs> floor instead of the eleventh floor, or like the first floor, which is like you know, it's like <laughs> latency can be very annoying. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And um, the third problem that we were trying to solve, which is kind of really s- specific to our oven, was we had a like slider that would adjust the temperature, except every time we like slide it back and forth on the slider, we wanted to play sounds immediately. So it would like imitate mm-hmm. what happens when you play, when you put your hand on like a piano and like kind of run through it. So all the notes kind of play at the same time. Oh, yeah. Oh. So that was hard because then we had to play like different sounds and we had to play immediately because the slider is like sliding back, back and forth pretty fast. So I guess this answers the question why if you're building a smart oven, like the latency and like the times matter as much. Yeah, I think it's different than the phone because when you're on a phone, I mean, I think the system handles most of the sound for you. But when you're doing an oven, it's really different because people don't expect it to behave the same as their phone. They expect it to be something kind of like a video game where you right. do something and you get immediate feedback. Interesting. And I yeah, I guess it makes sense because if you're emulating buttons and when you click the button, you basically want the feedback right away, right? Versus like the delay that we just talked about. Right. You don't want to start your salmon to be cooked like five times before it actually starts. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you, you know, I guess we'll kind of roll into the, to this, this portion of, of what we wanted to talk about here is, is just the audio playback mechanisms on, on Android. So it sounds like you had a few issues to, to, to solve there. How did you end up playing audio uh, on on Android? Did you use the the de facto media player? Did you use something else, or how did you approach solving these problems? Yeah, yeah. So I kind of we kind of started out just playing regular sounds, like for example, when your food is done cooking, then we play like some kind of short three second ringtone, and that was pretty mm-hmm. simple. Um, so we just kind of googled how to play audio on Android, and the first thing that came up was media player. And we're like, we rolled with it because it was simple to set up. It was easy to load a file into the system and play it and do the necessary cleanup afterwards. Uh, but after that, things got a bit, a little more complicated. We wanted to play multiple, multiple sounds at the same time. So for example, with the slider example, you wanted to play like three different notes at the same time. Um, and that wasn't supported by the media player because there was only one stream of audio that could come out when you're using media player. So that didn't work. Uh, some other things that media player doesn't exp- uh, support is like different priorities. So one of the things that we want to do was if your food is done cooking, but at the same time your oven is overheating, we wanted the oven overheating to play uh, to have priority over your food is done cooking sound. So media player also didn't support that as far as I knew. So that's where we had another problem. And I think the third problem that we had when we were trying to use media player was that uh, we wanted to load these sounds in eagerly. We didn't want to like lazily load them because we had no idea if loading the sounds sound files was going to take too long and cause bad latency. So media play also didn't support uh, like eagerly loading the files. It was always lazy as far as I understood. 
Interesting. Can you explain that aspect a little, uh, uh, a little more, just uh, so I can understand? So you're saying this is, but even if it was like an eager, oh, you mean every time media player plays the file, uh, there is a chance that it would have to like load it again? Versus, because uh, here I am thinking that if it loads it once, isn't there like some mechanism of just like it being cached? Because uh, there aren't like that many sounds, right? It's, yeah, I'm not sure if it actually caches the sounds, but we actually do have like more than fifty sounds in our ovens. So oh, I assume okay, so like the cache. Yeah, yeah. Like a beat machine. <laughs> <laughs> like an MPC. <laughs> that would be so, pretty cool. Like, yeah, like <laughs> send an April Fool's update on your June oven, and it becomes a beatbox. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like the the original media player was was something that all of us and myself uh, included have just. We roll. I rolled with it. You rolled with it because it was just easy, super easy to set up. You kind of just, you know, followed the tutorials that you found online and, and so forth. But the the big problems I could see for you to recap was just that you you couldn't play those sounds at the same time. I could see playing multiple sounds at once. How you want them to to overlay as you know they're kind of tapering off. That definitely wouldn't happen with media player. Um, is there anything else that you ran into with media player that was just kind of awkward at all compared to, to what you were attempting to do or, or that could pretty much cover it? Uh, yeah. So the other thing that I thought was interesting was there, I couldn't find like a callback listener for when sounds were done playing. So if I wanted to play like sounds oh. sequentially, um, I didn't find a way for media player to support that. Oh, yikes. That, yeah, that seems like a common enough use case that you would want. All right. And the other thing I noticed is uh, you also gave a talk about this uh, uh, some time back. And in one of those uh, slides, I noticed there was this really scary looking life cycle diagram. So does, oh, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's terrible. I know. <laughs> does Media Player also have something similar to like a life cycle or like uh, or is it easy enough where it doesn't matter as much? Yeah, so when I first started working with Media Player, in the examples, it all seemed easy. So it was like, okay, you like set the audio stream type, and you're now the Media Player is in this state, and when it's in this state, it could do certain stuff. And then when you prepare the Media Player, now it's in this state, so now you can finally start playing stuff from the Media Player. But as I looked into it more, I saw this like really scary diagram that looked kind of like the diagram with the fragments at the square people posted. <laughs> Oh yeah, you know that one. <laughs> and really I was well. like, yeah. "Oh man, this is really complicated." But I mean, I haven't faced any issues yet, so I'll roll with it. But then we started like doing more stuff with it, and then we were finding these weird bugs where we tried to release the media player after a certain sound is played, and then it would crash because the media player would think it's not in the right state. And that's when we started going like, "Oh, okay, that's probably where the diagram comes in." <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! So how did you go about like approaching it? Did you? decide to like you know slug it out and deal with media player or were there other things that you uh, sort of like shifted your approach towards yeah so for some sounds that we thought were still appropriate for media players so sounds that don't play very often and sounds that um last like two to three seconds and don't need to be played immediately we still stuck with media player for that for, for some of the other sounds where we were more worried about the latency and having to play multiple sounds at once we actually had to go with the sound pool implementation because sound pool supports all the stuff that um, we were trying to look for, like playing multiple sounds at once, setting priorities, um, and eagerly loading all the files at once, all the sound files at once, so that we could have even better latency. Oh wow! Uh, what is sound pool? Is that something yeah. that Google provides? Is that something that's part of the Android operating system? Uh, where does Soundpool come from? Yeah. yeah, so as far as I understand, Soundpool is built on top of Media Player. So it's 
also provided by Google. So it's just another API that you can use similarly, but it just has more capabilities for it. Interesting. Oh, I did not know that. I didn't know Soundpool was like by Google. Okay, cool. And so the APIs you're saying with Soundpool are a tad bit better in that they allow you specifically to handle the features that you are looking for, which is playing multiple audio streams, uh, add priorities uh, and other stuff, huh? Yeah, so Soundpool, with Soundpools, you're able to do sound mixing. So if you play multiple streams at once, you get set like how how many, uh, like a max number of sounds you want to play. And with that, it'll do like the mixing for you so that all the sounds come in as one stream, which is pretty cool, I think. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Did, did Soundpool solve the, you know, so you have multiple sounds at once, but did it solve any of your latency issues that you were having from before? So I think the sound pool thing is cool because then we, on application or whenever our oven started up, we would load all our sound files into it at once. Um, so, so the the reason we have so many sound files for our oven is because we have different themes of sounds. Um, so we would have like 30 sound files for like a regular theme and then 30 sound files for like a video game theme. So for our sound... Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so when we Aww. used sound pool, we were able to load all the files for one theme. And that way, when we played it, we were sure that we didn't have to spend any time loading them again. Oh, so the eager late, like the eager loading thing that you mentioned previously with the media player was no longer a problem with Soundpool because it's like it's all just like loaded directly. Yeah, exactly. So we didn't have to worry, for example, if like the user tapped on the oven for the first time that they wouldn't hear the sound uh, immediately when they tapped the first time. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So, I mean, did that solve like all of your problems? Like, did it... Did Soundpool take care of anything or were there any problems with Soundpool that you thought uh, that didn't necessarily serve your purpose? Yeah, so Soundpool was great in that we were able to find a solution to our problems. But one of the things we still weren't able to do was like be able to tell when sounds were done playing. So like some kind of listener. And oh, the callback thing you mentioned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we weren't able to find a solution for that with the Soundpool implementation. And that's when we started looking into stuff like ExoPlayer. Uh, but ExoPlayer just seemed ExoPlayer has so much more capability and it was so much more flexible. But it was such a like big library to pull in that we weren't sure if we needed all the capabilities of it because we ultimately we only needed to play audio. But ExoPlayer does a lot more than that. Eventually, all <laughs> solutions come to ExoPlayer. Right? <laughs> yeah. They do, man. They do. Because <laughs> I remember Don and I have had this conversation before. Because with video, it's like pretty much the same problem, right? Yeah. And with the like the uh, when we had to like play video, I remember previously it was the same story. Like you know, you try some things that wouldn't work, and then you're like, oh, I, I got like eighty five percent of the way, mm-hmm. and then like actually, you know what? Don't use this. Just like completely use like camera two API or like you know like the second version, and then that would get you like ninety four percent of the way, and then you're like, oh damn it! Like I need to get that last six percent, and eventually you just like use ExoPlayer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm surprised. So. And I, I guess like Don, you've worked with Excel Player too, right? Pretty, yeah. Like, uh, pretty close, uh, pretty yeah. closely in the recent months. I thought Excel Player was aimed at just like video, but I mean, it makes sense if you play video. Obviously, you're playing audio as well. So I didn't know it was that adept at handling audio as well. Yeah, I didn't actually try out uh, the Excel Player stuff just because from the start it looked a lot more complicated to set up, and we had to add in a new library dependency. But it seemed like it would had every function that I would want out of Soundpool and Media Player and then some. So you guys don't <laughs> use ExoPlayer right now at all? Yeah, so we're not using ExoPlayer right now. Yeah, the for from my perspective, it was um 
I originally saw it as just a video player too. Uh, and then when I got into it, I was using doing some HLS streaming from uh, Amazon S3 buckets for MP3 files that were massive in size, like hundreds of megs. And um, I was having a lot of problems with like streaming, uh, especially if you want to listen to a file that was streaming as you're walking through the city. Uh, all of a sudden, it would just cut out because it would be buffering. And ExoPlayer has such phenomenal support in there for for buffering. You can even write your own buffering rules. Um, and this is just for the streaming side of it. So the extensibility of ExoPlayer is just amazing in what you can do. Uh, and then you can create your own, you know, video players on 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 top of it or your own custom controls on top of it. So literally it's one of those things that I think of ExoPlayer is like the support library for audio and video components <laughs> on Android. And that's the fantastic part about it is it can be upgraded in its own by itself. And uh, it is upgraded, you know, quite a bit. Uh, and it's also open source, which is nice. So if you hop in there, you can see what's going on and then also contribute as well. The advantage, it's almost like you can import, like, yeah, it's like the Kotlin thing, right? Like you can yeah. import it independently and then you can like get on a separate track to like get the fixes and advantages. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, huh, okay. I guess, so then my question is, uh, so right now, I guess like Karen, like the callback problem is something that you've just, uh, right now, like you haven't had the need yet to, uh, address that so like you're sticking with sound pool is that how it is or did you find a way to work around the callback thing with sound pool yeah i don't think we really found a good workaround for um the callback thing just because even sound files themselves were not reliable and when the silence starts so like a sound file oh. could be four seconds but it's really only playing for like two seconds so even with like callbacks it would be weird in that it thought that four seconds after four seconds that it was done but it really is like oh we wanted you to be done two seconds ago so nothing quite worked well for that. Oh, wow. Can you explain that problem a little? Uh, it's, so if the audio file is for four seconds, you're saying after, the, what what aspect of the silence uh, makes it shorter by two seconds? Uh, sorry, I probably didn't quite catch that. Oh, yeah, sorry. So the problem I was explaining is kind of just how some sound files, even though they say they're four seconds, like only two seconds of them are anything useful or maybe like three seconds. So it wasn't always like quite oh. matching up to when, how long there's actual sound in the file. Ah, I see, I see. So that's like, okay, so the audio wave file itself that had like sometimes might have like surrounding spaces or silences and like that kind of stuff. Right, exactly. And it didn't seem like maintainable to always tell the designer, okay, we always want this to be perfectly trimmed to silence. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because, uh, and this is interesting because most folks don't necessarily like think about it, but like even with sound bites, uh, as you taper the sound down, like it may appear like, uh, you know, it's pretty much done in the silence, but there's like a very low sort of like hum or like, you know, when you taper off the uh, audio towards the end, there is still some sound. And uh, as weird as it sounds, like if you cut it to be very precise, like it actually doesn't sound natural too, right? You do want yeah. to fade towards the end. And so right. like, yeah, it gets a little tricky there. Mm-hmm. I guess another fo- another follow-up question I had with respect to all of these, right, is, w- well, the only one advantage with Media Player was that the APIs were somewhat <laughs> easy to deal with, right? Uh, uh, it seems like that was the only advantage. Uh, how exact, uh, was SoundPool's APIs better or was it more like, no, it's just functionality, but you just have to suffer through the APIs? Yeah, so sample is a little bit more complicated in that when you load in like a stream, you back get back like an ID for this for the sound you're playing, and this ID is not like guaranteed to be anything. It's just whatever Android system hands back to you after it loads the file. 
So some of that could become interesting when you want to like unload sound files so the cache doesn't build up too too big and things that you didn't want to be deleted from the cache get deleted. So some of that stuff could get a little bit more complicated, but generally it was still pretty easy to use sound pool. Like within, I think, five or six lines, you can start playing sounds with sound pool as well. Got it. And uh, for the documentation and uh, looking at examples, uh, where did you look for uh, examples, I guess? Yeah. yeah. How did you learn how to use it? <laughs> I don't remember where I got the examples. It might have just been from a mix of like experimenting things with by myself because I remember like getting the IDs back after loading different streams of audio was not very well documented. So I had some confusion there. <laughs> so some stuff were documented well, some wasn't. Some was like trial and error. Cat sounds. That's yep. how like, <laughs> it was made. Keep playing cat sounds and then like test it on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So the so I guess it's pretty much the same thing. Like it was just trial and error. Uh, Don, I... Is Excel Player's APIs any pleasant, any more pleasant to use, or that, is that not even a question? That's that, yeah. I feel like it, I know the answer to this one. Uh, no, I've actually found them. Um, the initially when I first started working with them, the they were transitioning from version one to version two, and so there was some kind of some documentation shift going on. But mm-hmm. I found the actual API to be somewhat pleasant to work with. Uh, again, oh. there's a learning there's a learning curve with it, and it depends really what you're doing with Excel Player. Uh, if you're just going to play a simple file and it's and it's over with, it, it actually might be. It probably is overkill for what you need. But if you're going to be doing something else more complex with it, creating some type of you know long-term audio player, uh, you're going to stream some albums, stream something from online, Exo Player is going to be where you go because they provide so many callbacks and hooks into the player lifecycle uh, and also to how you can handle different types of uh, streaming media. And if you have your own custom format for streaming media, you've created your own, uh, which has happened uh, a few times that I've seen from from various different people, you can implement how that's going to be handled as well, which with the default uh, media player and sound pool, I believe you, you can't do that. So if you come up with a new file format, that's not going to be capable, but on Exa player it is. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it's very flexible. Uh, again, like, uh, like Karen said, it is a library. It's a dependency that you're going to have to take on. Uh, it's just going to be one of those things. Is it worth the trade-offs? Is it going to solve the problems that you, that you really, that you have? I guess one question that I had that one of you probably would uh, be able to answer better is in your testing, because this is one thing that I notice, right? Like I'm usually always listening to, uh, you know, podcasts like on Pocket Cast or something. I'm like always listening to podcasts as I walk. And sometimes there are like notifications that come in, like, you know, or maybe there's a call that's coming in. Uh, I guess each app handles it differently, right? So they are, they're either using Media Player or like one of the like Soundpool or like Exo Player. Uh, how I, I, I have noticed with Pocket Cast, like what happens is there's like an option where like they would play notifications over the sound or like it's done in parallel or it's done like, you know, it dims the other sound. Is that something, uh, uh, Karen, like in your testing, have you noticed like any weirdnesses with that? Or I mean, how is that handled? Because we're not necessarily picking just one way, right? So I guess like all of these libraries talk into the Android operating system and tell them, and that's where you get a hold of like these IDs and life cycles. Is that how it works? Yeah, so the Android system basically just, as far as I understand, takes in all the audio it thinks it should process and it gives you back one stream. So everything that it thinks it should play, it plays it all in one stream. So the way that apps work is that they have to ask for audio focus and they have to be granted this audio focus before they can start playing certain sounds. And luckily for our oven, like our oven is the only thing on the device. Okay. <laughs> so we oh, don't so, that, okay. <laughs> so we don't have that problem. But as I was looking into audio and I started thinking about it, I was like, 
this is the time when I was playing Pokemon Go a lot. And I was like, why mm -hmm. does it happen that every time I play Pokemon Go, I can't like play music on my Spotify at the same time? <laughs> and that's how I kind of started looking into audio focus. Oh, this is interesting. Like apps actually have to request like different kinds of audio focus before they should start playing. I mean, that's the that's the rule that the unsaid rule that you should do. But apps should be doing this. But I don't think all apps are doing this correctly. Oh, interesting. So uh, you know that an app is not implemented correctly when like some weirdness happens where it just like hijacks the audio or something. Yeah, exactly. Like I remember there was this period of time where Google Maps always hijacked the audio and stopped the music from playing. But now when Google Maps has like turn by turn direction, um, it actually just kind of makes the music playing a little dimmer in the background, which is a lot better experience. Interesting, interesting. Well, that's one thing to watch out now for, folks. If you see some app that's misbehaving, you should publicly shame them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of nice little hooks that you can that you can hook into that uh, it, your application can get called back through various different system intents saying, "Hey, something's happened." You know, uh, like you said, someone's going to request another app's going to request uh, focus, so you can either kind of lower your uh, input, which you've probably heard before, like a text message comes in, you hear that little ding, and maybe the music is is lowered or the podcast is lowered. So I think having all those things in there and those little hooks makes it for a tremendously better user experience. Speaking about hooks, uh, I was thinking about like just how like, you know you typically use your uh, phone uh, and like with headphones. What happens under the hood if I like unplug my headphone? Is that also like a callback? I presume where like the each an app has each and every app has to understand like what happens there. Um. So the way I understand it is there's different kinds of audio that's coming out. So like the stream from your notification can be a different stream of audio, and then there's like streams from musics and streams from video uh, media's, and then streams for. I imagine there could be a stream for when your headphone is plugged in. But the way I understand it is when your headphones become unplugged, um, you'll probably get an action that says, oh, something has happened. Either the audio focus is changing or the audio, uh, the way the audio is coming out now is being different. And if your app is handling that with certain kinds of callbacks and hook hookups, then you could be handling that correctly. Exactly. Yeah, there is an action that's sent out. It's called Action Audio Becoming Noisy. And it's a, it's a system broadcast that gets oh. sent out and it's automatically emitted anytime uh, your headset's unplugged or your Bluetooth dis uh, device is disconnected. Because what happens underneath the hood is the audio stream will automatically reroute to the built-in speaker on the device. And so let's just say that you're listening to something with some racy lyrics uh, for whatever <laughs> reason during your workout and your hand swings by and pops your headphones loose. Well, the last thing you want to do is have that music blasting out loud. So if you've had an application that's implemented this correctly, which you probably have, most popular ones have, it will usually just, um, depends on the developer, but a lot of them now just will pause the playback on you. Because like, like Pocket Cast does that actually, like I'll listen to it on my headphones and I'll just disconnect and they, they pause right away. Same thing with Audible. Is that a typical day for you, Don? Like, you know, you unplug and racy lyrics get <laughs> sounded or blasted out? I just, well, usually I'm running or, yeah, I get frustrated. I just get frustrated with my phone for whatever reason. And I'll just leave my headphones in my ear and I'll throw my phone and it just disconnects itself by itself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's the use case that the apps are built for. Just when you get angry at your phone and you throw it down, you don't want music to play out. Okay, that That's why you got to buy an OtterBox for your phone, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my god. Okay. Uh this yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess like all of this sounds very interesting, but it, it does sound like there's still a lot to be desired with, right? Like and uh, were there any other challenges that you saw uh, as you worked with um audio like uh, in general with Android? I think the biggest challenge for me was just trying to find enough like documentation about this in the beginning because in the beginning I didn't really know how to get started with all these problems. Like Media Player was great for playing like one file at one time and in a specific way. But once I wanted to get more into different kinds of ways to implement audio, I just couldn't find any like good resource about where I should get started or what to look into, that kind of stuff. So speaking of which, where if you were if someone came to you right now and said, "Hey, I would, I need to start playing some audio." They explained, you know, kind of a couple of use cases. Where would you kind of point them to uh or what resources would you use to say, "Hey, here's a couple of places you should go look." Yeah, so I would probably point them the first thing to the media player documentation from Android and then the sound mm-hmm. documentation. And then there's a couple of really good talks on ExoPlayer. And from there, they could probably get a pretty good general idea of what they need and what they need to implement for their specific use cases. Cool. And I know you gave a talk too, right? Uh, <laughs> on like audio. So, because uh, I know you're not going to like bring it up on your own. So I do want to like bring that out. Uh, but where exactly did you give this talk? Yeah. So I've given, the first time I gave this talk was at Joy-Con SF. Um, and then I gave mm-hmm. it again at uh, Joy-Con Boston and once again in Joy-Con Italy. So the third one, it always gets better. But I think the Boston one is <laughs> my best one. <laughs> nice. Okay. And we'll make sure to add that in the show notes. Don, do we have like a course on Caster for uh, ExoPlayer? Yeah, there is a, a course uh, on ExoPlayer. For, it's actually focused towards uh, audio too. So just Caster.io and just type in the search ExoPlayer and it'll show up right there at the top. Right, right, right. Uh, and I guess there are like some <laughs> other good talks too like in X, uh, on ExoPlayer. And we'll make sure to add like links to all of those in the show notes too. Yeah, and that, uh, that course is actually taught by one of our previous guests here on the show, Andrew Arabiter. So he uh, has oh. a, an, an app called um, uh, Oracle, which I think is like an audio player, but he uses ExoPlayer under the hood. So good stuff. Interesting, interesting. Karen, did you attend this I.O.? Yes, yes. I, I've been very lucky to attend the past few I.O.s. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Did they announce anything? Because I remember maybe it was the I.O. before this or maybe it was last I.O. They did talk about how they've improved the audio APIs on Android, right? Yes, I uh, think last I.O. they talked more about improvements for the latency, but that was if you got like really low level and made your own like how and stuff like that, like not very applicable to someone like me just trying to use APIs. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, yeah. I mean, like that's <laughs> weird. I mean, you know, if you're an app developer, like the last thing you want is to be like going that low level, right? Right, exactly. But this I.O. they announced something really cool. Um, so I think the API is called Dynamics Processing. And it was really cool. They had this like full demo on where you would be able to process audio. I don't think it's in real time, but they had a video playing and they were able to tune up and tune down certain streams of audio. So, for example, if someone's speaking in a very noisy place, they were able to tune that person's voice up so that they could hear less background noise and more of the person's voice. And I thought that was just amazing. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's cool. I guess like dynamics uh, processing, like in general with audio is basically you're trying to um, yeah, you're trying to meddle with like treble or bass or like, uh, you know, or maybe like e- with like run an equalizer or something. So those APIs you're saying now are like actually added? Yeah, yeah. So before I think there was only capability for like the stuff you talk about, like the bass and the equalizer. But now mm-hmm. there's even more specific stuff where you could specifically like tune up certain channels in audio. They do some like pre-processing to figure out like 
different uh, different channels the audio has. I don't really understand the science between it, but the video shows everything. There's graphs, and it's it's just awesome. <laughs> nice, that's awesome. Okay, okay, we'll make sure to add a link uh, in the show notes also to uh, the IO talk that you know demos this time. Mm-hmm, cool. This has been amazing. Thank you so much, uh, Karen. I feel I've uh, I've learned a lot, and maybe it's time to like you know bring that idea back for my Looper app, and you know <laughs> uh, attempt maybe attempt number four will be the one that will get me there. So, uh, thank you so much for like yeah sharing this stuff. Especially this is a topic that I think not too many people delve in, and so it's hard to find resources around it. So thank you so much for this. Yeah, thanks for having me. If folks want to like maybe reach out to you, or you know maybe they you know, want a June oven or they want their June oven to maybe, you know, uh, I don't know, like double up as like a sound box or like, you know, a radio or something. If they have questions about that stuff, uh, what's a good place to reach you at? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter. I think my handle is C-A-L-R-E-N 24, Calren 24. Don, I know, you know, you have other ideas for like the June oven that you're going to order. <laughs> what? Uh, where's a good place for folks to like find out uh, your crazy ideas? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Don Felker. And Kaushik, I know you're a uh, a, a purveyor of fine foods. So <laughs> where could folks inquire about your palate? I highly recommend McDonald's, Burger <laughs> King. <laughs> Cla- classy uh, so guy. I know. I'm, hey, yeah, only only the finest for me. Uh, so if folks want recommendations like that, I am Kaushik Gopal on Twitter and on Instagram. So thank you all so much for listening. Karen, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it and we enjoyed this a lot. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Uh, that's all for this show, folks. We will catch you in the next episode. Before we wind the show down, I want to take a quick moment and thank Microsoft again for sponsoring today's show. They want to promote AppCenter. AppCenter is a continuous integration, delivery, and feedback service for your Android apps. You should check them out if you're looking for a CI solution or a UI testing solution. Head on over to appcenter.ms and spend less time managing your app lifecycle and more time coding. Because in the end, that's what makes us all happy. Thanks again for sponsoring today's show, Microsoft. That's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Felker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We edit and produce all the episodes here on Fragmented. Sarah the Amazing Jackson from the Spec Network helps with production assistance and wraps our final mix. Our theme and ad music is by the national recording artist Blueprint from Weightless Recordings. You can find more fragmented episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.